You are listening to King Jesus Radio, the official podcast of New Living Way Church. Good evening, everybody. God bless you guys. Hi, Sister Cynthia. Hi, Sister Josie. Good to see you guys. See you there on the chat board. Pray you guys all had a great, wonderful day and are having a great, wonderful night, enjoying the nice, cold weather. Amen. Nice and cool now, so it's it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of nice to see the uh, to see the um, the hot the heat kind of leave a little bit. So praise God for that. So thank you for joining us tonight for Bible study. Uh, looking forward to what the Lord has tonight. Uh, you know what's it called? Uh, just really blessed by the Lord. You know, just of His faithfulness, and uh, you know, one of the things we got to be encouraged is to keep our eyes on the Lord, amen, and uh, continue to seek him and realize that we have all that we need in him, you know, and and uh, that's just that one thing that we got to make sure we stay content in our heart that, Lord, I have everything that I need in you. I don't have to go out looking for anything else or anyone else, Lord. I have all that I need in you, and in you, you teach me and show me everything that I have and all the people that I do have in my life. So, you know, it's it's a blessing when you really come down to that place. So praise God for that. Amen. Hi, Sister Julie. See, you just got on there as well. Amen. And for all of you that are not on the chat board, but I know you're there. Oh, hi, Sister Yolanda. See you there as well. Hi, hi guys. <laughs> praise God. So see you guys there. Amen. So looking forward to what the Lord has tonight and, and, uh, and just, you know, just really blessed by the Lord to uh, encourage us tonight. Amen. So we're going to we're going to open up in a word of prayer. And uh, just as uh, real quick, we'll be in the uh, book of Acts chapter 10 tonight, and it's going to be verse 1 through 23. So Acts chapter 10 will be our main scripture tonight. It'll be verse 1 through 23. Amen. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father God, for another beautiful day, Father God, another wonderful day. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness, grace, and mercies, for your joy, your love, your strength, your peace, and your comfort. We thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus, just for this wonderful, beautiful day and night, Father God. And we thank you that in your presence we are refreshed, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in your presence, Father God, Lord, we have your peace and your comfort, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that in your presence we have your joy, Lord. We have your salvation, Lord God. We have the forgiveness of sins, Lord God. And Father God, Lord, we just have that comfort in you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, as we come before your throne today. We thank you for your presence, my God. We thank you for the peace within our hearts. We thank you for your word, my God. And we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, as you teach us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit this night, Father, we just thank you, Lord, as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand this night. And, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we're able to know you, Lord God. And we thank you, Father God, for many, Father, that will still come to know you, Lord Jesus. And that, Father, the message is still going forward today that others can come to know you as we do, Lord. So we just thank you this night, Father God, as we come together to study your word, Father, and to seek you, Lord. We thank you this night, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Friday night, we will have prayer. Um, you know, we are meeting here in the in the sanctuary. So if you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. And, uh, you know, we'll have, you know, right now we don't have a set scripture. We're going to be coming together, seeking the Lord. And uh, but I have an idea of the scripture that the Lord will be leading us in prayer together that night. So um, if you'd like to come and join us, praise the Lord. We'll be here at seven. Um, we're praying here in the sanctuary. If not, you'd like to join us from home or in your car or, you know, you know, maybe on your, your break or something like that. You know, if you're working, you know, feel free to do so. And, uh, you know, we'll take some time to pray together and just seek the Lord. Amen. So just really, you know, we, we got to continue to do so and just look to him because he's he's our strength through everything. Amen. And uh, and then Sunday morning we have our, our 
you know, prayer in the morning, God's word in prayer. And uh, that'll be at 915 through the live stream and also our 1045 service. So really looking forward to what God has and, and just, you know, all that he's doing. Amen. And, and the first service, we're still in the book of Ezra, chapter 10. So praise God for that. And uh, we'll continue to study along and, and just continue to seek him together. So, you know, praise God for that. Amen. So uh, a little bit later, you know, if, uh, you know, maybe you just have a, a praise report you'd like to throw out there on the chat board or just uh, shoot me a text or something, you know, I'd like to uh, share that. Um, you know, let me encourage you guys to continue to pray for one another. I know that uh, Sister Lupe uh, Pletis had gave us a testimony that her daughter was doing better and the cancer was gone. So that praise God for that. Um, you know, and just I believe that God's doing just many great things in our lives, you know, through through everything, you know, that we see and go through. But you know what? God is always so faithful. So let us not lose focus of that and, and uh, continue just to praise him together. Amen. So thank you, Jesus, for that. And I'm just grateful that we have a place that we could come together to meet. I know we're not meeting here yet quite yet for Bible study, but I'm thankful the Lord that we've been meeting on Sundays and now for prayer on Fridays and working and getting to the Bible studies as well. So I know that God is just, you know, putting that all together and, you know, just look forward to spending that time together. Amen. So, well, praise the Lord. I just wanted to uh, just again, thank you guys again also for all your prayers and, and just continuing to trust the Lord together. Amen. So we're in the book of Acts chapter 10, and we'll be uh, going through verse 1 through 23 this morning. So if you'd like to grab your Bibles, which probably should have already had already. I mean, it's Bible study. Amen. So, <laughs> but uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 23, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It may vary a little bit, a little bit different from what you're, you know, maybe the translation you have, but it's the word of God. And, um, and this is where I, you know, I pull the words from that we title our messages with. And, uh, you know, so tonight's, tonight's title is Feared God. And this is actually taken from this portion of scripture. And you're going to kind of see a theme in this as we study it this week and also next week as well. So just keep in mind, we only have two Bible studies this, this month um, for this week and next week. Then after that will be Thanksgiving week. We will have no service through that week. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up right now, you know, before I forget on that one as well. So, you know, praise God, looking forward to some uh, turkey or ham or whatever you guys do, you know, we're, you know, we'll definitely be eating something. Amen. If not, little uh, kind of salad burrito or something. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 23. And we're going to read it through and then we're going to come back and we're going to kind of break it down a little bit and try to see what's going on over here. So verse one says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. 
and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise. And go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So this is our main portion of scripture today that we will be studying. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of changes going on here, a lot of different things that, you know what, the Jewish people now were going to start to see unfold even more. Jewish Christians, those that were now Christians, and we've been kind of, we've already been seeing this, but now this is like, you know, this is it. This is, I mean, there is no denying what is done here. So this is what we're going to start to be, this is what we're looking at in this portion of scripture. So let's go back now. We're going to look at verse one here. And it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Okay. So we're going to look at a couple of footnotes here um, regarding this first chapter, but also the footnotes will kind of, you know, take us also into what we're reading as far as the chapter. So Caesarea was known to be the first city to have a gent to have Gentile Christians or Gentile church without a not without a without a Jewish church. There was a, the one of the only the first places that didn't have a Jewish church, which were Christians. But this was the first place where you, now you had Gentile Christians. And this was a place that became established for Christianity. And uh, so, we're, you know, this is definitely um, a really key place here, Caesarea, as we see this unfold. Now, the man here that is talking about is talking about a man named Cornelius. And he's known as a centurion. That, you know, you'll see that in the Bible. And um, really what a centurion is, is he was, a, he was someone that was over 100 soldiers. So a centurion, you know, referring to him being over 100 soldiers. So he had 100 soldiers under him that basically were in, you know, that were um, in control. And we see that in another portion of scripture where the centurion tells Jesus, no, please do not come under my roof. You know, and he talks about just say the word, you know, and he, he tells him, he goes, look, I have soldiers under me and I tell them to go and do, and they do. 
So this man understands authority. He understands what it is to be in such a position. But not only that, that man also recognized Jesus, you are God. You know, I mean, so whatever you say, it's going to be done. And that was this man's faith. And Jesus uses that man as an example of faith, you know, for, for the people that were there, for his disciples, and not only them, but now also for us, as we are, the, are challenged to be in that place as well, to recognize, you know what, God, what you say is, you know, and, and imagine this, think about this way. We fight authority so much, you know, in our jobs, in school. I mean, we just, you know, I, I know someone who, who loves to tell me, I just love to rebel. You know, it's not that I disagree. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's just this person, they, you know, they're, they're just honest. They're just like, no, I just love to rebel. I love to be rebellious, you know? And so no matter whether they fully agree or not, they just this person just likes to do that. That's just what drives this person. And reality is that's what drives a lot of us, you know, but think about it this way. A man, a centurion is someone who recognizes having people under him and having to take orders. So he, not only that, but he knows how to recognize that there's going to be some soldiers that will fall in line, some that won't. And having to deal with the different people and, and different things. But, you know, in an army, I mean, it's they're a lot stricter. I mean, you know, they can really do some discipline. And but when we look at the Bible, God describes us as a soldier. You know, in, in one portion of Scripture, we're, we're mentioned like a, be a, like a soldier of Christ, you know, the armor of God. You know, so he, he, he you know, displays these examples for us to really grab onto. But think about it this way. Imagine God is teaching us how to be obedient. And in that obedience, we come to a place that we start to recognize what God says goes. The centurion in that portion of scripture says, I tell this one to go this way, I tell this one to do that, and they do it. Because he himself was also under authority. You know, he, he would have to answer to, to Caesar, to the governor, all these different people. But he recognizes Jesus's authority because he's saying, when I say it, they do it, but how much more you? But not only that, he's also one that does. So imagine God is teaching me new obedience so that as we are obedient, then we recognize the power in the obedience. But we also recognize that God's word is faithful because it's in the obedience that we see the power of God. We see the blessing of God. We see the word of God come to pass in that obedience. It's in the disobedience that we find ourselves always questioning God. Um, what happened to the power of God? Where are the blessings? Where are all these? And yet, but yet we don't want to be obedient. And reality is, is we learn how to be obedient. We learn how to take those commands and do them. Then we start to recognize God, you're in control. And we start to come to a place to realize, Lord, you're teaching me this for my own good. So, you know, that, that wasn't really part of the teaching, but, you know, I, I believe it's very important because we're going to see Peter, who is going to also be challenged in obedience. But in that obedience, he's going to see God. He's going to see the, the hand of the Lord. He's going to see what God is trying to show him, not trying what he wants to show him. And it comes through Peter's obedience. OK, so this is very important and very key here. OK, so. 
When it refers to a centurion, again, it's referring to someone who is over 100 soldiers, who's a command of 100 soldiers. But I want us to look at a, another an example of a centurion. Just a centurion holds this place here, but let's go to Mark chapter 15. We're going to look at two other centurions, and we're going to look at that other one in a little bit. But Mark chapter 15, verse 39. Here's another centurion, okay? Mark chapter 15, verse 39. And it says, and when the centurion, here's another one, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was a son of God. Very, very popular uh, verse there. Not only that, it's also a very popular scene in a movie. John Wayne is that centurion in one of the, in one of the movies. And he said, surely this was a son of God. That centurion is there at the cross, witnesses all these things that are going on, and comes to a place to say, truly, this is the Son of God. Becomes a believer there, literally at the cross. What an amazing thing, amen? And this man had to put his faith in Jesus and really see, like, this, this is the Son of God, and that's what the Bible talks about. And that's a beautiful thing. So we're going to see another centurion in that same type of place. But we're going to see the difference, okay, what's going on. But this man eventually will get there. So let's look at, oh, and then I'm sorry, the Italian cohort, it just, what that is, it's an Italian group of a royal army and a cohort was pretty much 600 soldiers. Okay, so this was one group of centurion over 100, but then they were all part of a larger group which a cohort was 600 soldiers. So therefore you had six centurions that were all part of that group. And this is the one he was part of. Now, another footnote here was brought out was that he would most likely be returning to Rome. So he wasn't going to be there for very long. He was here doing his part, but eventually he would have to return back to Rome. So it displays really the importance of Cornelius getting saved. Okay. Cornelius really learning to know who Jesus is because he could become a great witness to go back to Rome and talk about Jesus. Talk about the one that he is going to meet and he's going to come to know. Okay, And so you might have read the scripture and maybe have thought before, well, I, he was already saved. We're going to look at a couple of things here because this man was not saved yet. Okay, He wasn't a Christian yet. I know it mentioned something in here, but we have to look at this a little bit more. But still, he was on that right place. And the reality is this man still needed Jesus. His heart was right and ready and so much that even God remembers him. And we're going to touch a little bit on that. I wrote these things down. Um, and I also wrote here, sometimes we think because someone fears God that they're okay. But this portion of scripture clarifies it's not so. It also reminds us that whether Jew or Gentile, Jesus' salvation unites us all together as the same. So we're going to see this. And this is some of the things that I got as I was studying this and really looking at this, you know, because I, I mean, I want you to think of some people in your life that, you know, we all have them. We all know people like that, that truly fear God. You know, they, they live good lives and you know what, they're, they're nice people. Um, you know, they do believe in God. And, you know, and so therefore many times we think, well, they're okay but not necessarily so because they still need Jesus. And reality is without Jesus, they really can't fully know God. 
Because as the Bible says, the way, the truth, and the life, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. So in order to know the Father, you must know the Son. And this is where it's very important. We must not be fooled or deceive ourselves in thinking, well, you know, they're okay. You know, they they believe in this and that. No. You know what? I, I know people like that, but it doesn't mean they're saved. And they still need to know Jesus. And we must never lose that focus because then what happens is if we do, then we kind of become comfortable and we kind of just accept, you know, that and that's it. But when you, we realize that, no, wait a minute, this person seems to be saved. What it does is it gives me and you that that goal and, and that endurance to say, no, man, I know they believe in God, but they need to know you, Jesus. And what this can do for me and you is it will challenge me and you to continue to fight, to continue to pray, to continue to intercede, to continue to be that light in the hope that, Lord, you're going to make yourself known to this person and realizing they're saved when they confess you as their Lord, Jesus. Then they'll have that peace. And we're going to see that through here. But not only that, it also we're going to see some things that there's no longer a difference, okay? Because in Christ, it's level field, level level uh, playing ground, I guess you could say in a sense. So, Okay, so those are just a couple of footnotes here I wanted to look at and a couple of things that I had laid out for this chapter as we go through there. And like I said, think about someone you may know that is like that. And think about someone that maybe maybe you have been comfortable, like, you know what, they're, they're good, you know? Re-examine that. Go back there again and really weigh. But do they know you, Jesus? Do they know you? And let that be the driving force. Let that be that, that power. The, just allow the Holy Spirit just to, just to stir you up, man, and just wake us up and just like, no, no, that's not enough. And let, let this scripture, this teaching really Drive us there, okay? Laying everything else aside, differences, everything, but let it, let's allow the Holy Spirit to teach us through his word, but to wake me and you up so we can rise up and recognize, no, it's not okay. And I can't be okay with it. Not that I'm going to go and get in their face, no, but it puts the responsibility back on me that, Lord, I have to be attentive to you. I have to be listening for you. I have to be following you, Lord, because for the sake of those around me, for those that just completely don't know or they know and they're running, but those that think they know you, but they might be in worse, the harder place because they don't feel the need to have to know you, Jesus. And many times that's a harder place. So you think about that person or persons and Let's allow this teaching to really just kind of give us that wisdom and direction to be able to be continue to be that light and to live accordingly and to pray for them. Amen. Praise God. So let's look at verse two here. It says a devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So I want us to see in this verse here. 
there are three keys here, three things that this man is known for, okay? And the first one says he's a devout man who feared God. There's our key word there, okay? A devout man who feared God. And that word devout is just to a pious, well-reverent man. He had piety. He had reverence toward God, um, showing a reverence for a deity and devotion to divine worship. So many times you may we may know people that have a reverence for God, but doesn't necessarily mean it's our God. It's just for a deity, for a greater being. They believe in, well, I believe whether it's Mother Nature or whether it's, uh, you know, one of the gods or what, whatever it may be, but they have this piety. They have a reverence, you know, for, for the man upstairs or, you know, or the woman upstairs or whatever it may be, but they live their lives as they as there is a God. Now, is it our God? Not necessarily. But they do believe in a higher calling. You know, like I've shared many times, you know, um, I kind of walked away from, you know, I denied Jesus. I rejected him. And I kind of came to a place as others that it was kind of in, in just in that, I guess, following, you could say. But it was more about the creator, you know, and then now it was no longer about Jesus or, you know, God. But it was more referring to him now as the creator, you know, and it has a lot to do with worldly stuff because of everything that's created, because you basically worship everything that's out here, trees, the, the stars, everything, you know. So that's why he's known as the creator. And that's what you call him, basically. And, you know, so you, you, you're still living in some type of reverence, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's God. But you, and we may know a lot of people like that. OK. And so this man was known as a devout man who feared God. Well, but this man here is, is necessarily, when they're referring to him as one who feared God, he actually wasn't referring to any of the other gods. He was actually referring to the God of Israel, though. Okay, And we're going to see why, why they kind of break this down, why Luke makes that known. But it's really in his actions and what he did that proves that he feared the God of Israel. Okay, So... That is very important um, to fear God, terrifying, to be afraid, to have reverence, to treat with deference or reverent, reverential obedience, respect and esteem. OK, so when it's saying that this devout man feared God, he was terrified. He was afraid of the God of Israel. He had reverence and he, he treated with deference or reverential obedience. And that deference is basically a respect and esteem. He respected the God of Israel. And you see that many times in the Bible. You'll see Nebuchadnezzar. You'll see Cyrus. You'll see many of these kings who were pagan kings. But because God has revealed himself and displayed his power, you know, it's like now they have respect for him. Doesn't mean they served him. Doesn't mean they became followers of him, but they had a high regard and a respect for him. They feared him. You know, it's like, no, this guy doesn't, this God doesn't mess around. He's a God of gods. But yet they didn't really become converted to him, though. But they had they were devout. They had a respect for him. And this is what Cornelius is seen to have. He has a respect. He has a, a he's very devout. He fears the God of Israel. And it doesn't ever talk about Cornelius being a proselyte. And a proselyte was basically a convert to Judaism. Cornelius is not known as this because he's not known to have been circumcised. And in order to be a proselyte, you would have to become circumcised 
because circumcision was the outward expression and appearance of the promise and the covenant between God and Israel. As Abraham was told by God, you and your family and all those males above the certainty, whatever, they're going to be circumcised. And that will be our covenant and the proof that you are my people. You know, so doesn't necessarily mean that Cornelius was this way, you know, because so he wasn't a proselyte, but he was one that feared the God of Israel. And he lived as he did. This man not only, you know, he, he was to call proved it in his action, as we're going to see right now. But how many of us know that that's a good place when someone can fear God? Because the Bible talks about in Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It always starts with a reverential fear. It can be a fear. I mean, many today fear God in such a way, oh my, you know, well, the big man's going to get me up, you know, he's going to get me from upstairs or, you know, he's going to strike me. And, and a lot of times people will come to God because they're afraid of him. You know, they're afraid of what he'll do to them or what he's done to them. And, you know, that's a fear. And, and you know what, honestly, God can be very fearful. But it's also a reverential fear to recognize the mercy and the grace and the love of God, which many times people don't see until God reveals and manifests that through his people, by his Holy Spirit, through his word, and just being able by his Holy Spirit drawing them, you know, as, as us as well. You know, and, and many times we still have that thought of God, but reality is God doesn't want to destroy man. If he did, he would have did it, you know, again, you know, like in the flood. No, but instead he sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of the world. Because he loved the world so much, he just said, no, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die in your place and take your sins so you can believe and have a relationship with me now. You can be made righteous in my son, Jesus. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. And that should cause fear and awe and wonder and reverential fear of God. Okay. And we see that this man has a fear of God. He has a respect and a reverence for God. And he's living as so. And it just so happens to be the God of Israel. Okay. And he's also, he's doing this like faith, he's doing this with faith and action. Okay. So we see that in the next part of this. So we see part one feared God with all his household. And the next one is gave alms generously to the people. So to give alms, he's saying to the people, this is gifts of charity. And those gifts of charity were for the Jewish people. Okay. So this is how we know he feared the God of Israel because he was giving charity to Israel. Israel was a was a problem child to Rome. We see that, and when they crucified Jesus, we see the relationship with Rome. We see how outspoken they are against Rome. So this centurion is part of Rome, but yet he's showing acts of charity and things for those that are poor and for those in need for the Jewish people. That's the faith in action. He's showing, no, I, these people mean something. I fear the God of Israel. And he, he's showing that and he's helping these people. Okay. And James 2.16 says, faith apart from works is dead. And we see this faith in action. We see him doing what he believes is right in his own heart to basically getting good with the big man upstairs. <laughs> so, and I'm sorry I keep referring to him that way, but this is how I've heard a lot of people um, express and share about God, okay? And this is how many do see it. But it kind of reminds me of what we just studied like last the last couple of times about 
Tabitha. Remember Tabitha Dorcas, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but you know, Tabitha, she was known as, she was known for her works. And remember the widows and all them, they bring the stuff and say, look, look, this, this is all the things that she did when they show Peter. And you know, it was the faith in action. She was remembered by her works. Okay. She was a servant. This was a ministry. This was her serving God by serving the people of God. Acts of charity. And we see this on Cornelius, a centurion, one who was over Roman soldiers. Okay. And we're seeing these things in action. Now, look, let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 2 through 6. And this is a similar story as the one I was talking about earlier, but this one's written in Luke, and it's it's written a little bit differently here. But we're going to look at verse 2 through 6. It says, Now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, Listen to this part, verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 4. He is worthy to have you do this for him. Okay? upstairs. <laughs> I like that. Amen. He says he is worthy to have you do this for him. They come to him and they tell Jesus, this man is worthy. This centurion is worthy for you to do this for him. And it says in verse, um, it keeps going on. And it says in verse 5. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And it says, and Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. And this is the portion where we were talking about earlier. And he, he says, you know, this is actually the same scripture. He says, you know, I tell this one to go and that one goes. And different things like that. And in the end of that, he says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Amen. So we see this man, the people come and they tell him, Jesus, this man loves our nation. He's 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 been good to your he's been good to us as a people. He deserves for you to do this for him. And so we see that Cornelius is doing these works. Now, there you see the people reminding. Jesus of the works that this man has done. They're remembering this man's done a lot. Okay. We're going to see a little bit differently here though, but we definitely see that in this place. Okay. So the next portion of this one is uh, part three of this is in that same scripture. And it says, and prayed continually to the man upstairs, no, to God. Okay. <laughs> I was just tagging back on with a, uh, what David said there, and prayed continually to God. So these are three things. This man feared God, but he also was that faith in action. He did works, and he prayed continually. He would talk to God. He communicated with God. He was believing that he was being heard by God. Now, whether this man looked at it in a way to say, you know, I, I want to be right with you, God. I, I want to do these things for your people. What can I do? How can I help your people? Who, I, I don't know. I mean, we see it in his works. I'm, I'm assuming this man was praying, how can I help your people? What can I do for you? You know, just 
really a place of, of coming into a place where, you know, I'm doing this unto you. So we see this man, you know, has a relationship with God. You know, and I've shared, I've come across different people that say, hey, man, I pray. I talk to God, you know, and and they might not know Jesus yet. And I say yet because it's like, no, Lord, you're working on that person. You're really teaching them how to not just pray a ritualistic prayer, but you're teaching them how to have a conversation with you, how to really talk to you, God. And it amazes me many times. I mean, I mean, we as Christians many times struggle with that. But I've seen a lot of different people that have just kind of like, no, I, I talk to God every day. And I've heard that from many different people. Oh, I, I talk to God every morning. I talk to God on my way to work. I talk to God here and there. You know, when I'm in the place, I talk to God. You know, it's just like, you know, you know, we sometimes don't know what God they're talking to, but you know, they're talking to God and in their heart, they're believing that it's the God of the it's God of heaven, God of creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, so we see that Cornelius is one who was known for praying and he prayed continually. And these things are what this man is known for. Okay, so we see all these things, but keep in mind, this man still was not saved. Think about that. Sorry, guys, I take a trip. Think about that. <clears throat> Sounds like a great man. But he wasn't saved yet. How many people do we know like that today? But here is the hope. See, we don't have to, we don't do the work. We can't save anybody. You can tell people about the Lord. You can let the Lord be seen in your life. But the reality is it's God who draws him. And many times we can, <clears throat> you know, we just, we want to drill it into people. Sometimes you do in certain cases. But other times you just got to let them see God for themselves. But again, this is just to get to a place, but don't get comfortable with somebody being a good person and fearing God. But if they don't know the son, then they really don't know the father. Okay. And that's very important. So let's go on to verse three through four. It says about the ninth hour of the day, he saw, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, and Lord right there can refer to sir or mister. And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Wow. This is the message that the angel of the Lord brings to him. We talked about earlier how they came and they remembered the works of that other centurion. Right here, God is sending his angel, his messenger, to let this man know your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. A memorial is a remembrance. God is basically saying, I remember you and have seen all that you have done. And because of that, that is why I'm here today for you. 
He's letting him know he remembers his prayers and his words. That won't save him. But God does see the work. And it reminds me again of Tabitha. She was remembered for her works. We see a difference here, though. It says that an angel came and spoke to this man. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 to 14 real quick. We're going to come back to Acts chapter 10, but let's go here. This is a very controversial scripture. I'm not going to get into this. You know, um, there's a lot of different debate on this. And, you know, I, I just choose not to get into it. This is, But where I'm coming from on this, I'll just share with you where I come from on this. And I was challenged many years ago in a meeting about the scripture and uh, really just kind of opened my eyes through that. But again, there may, there's other teachings and other things, you know what, between you and the Lord, but this is where I'm coming from on this. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Okay. We see here that this angel of the Lord is sent out as a servant of God by serving this man, Cornelius, by making it known to him the way to salvation. Okay? Like I said, there's many other teachings. And some may say that we have a right to, we have a right to command the angels and you can command an angel I'm not really one that believes that, but I believe that God commands his angels and it's all for the sake of salvation to those who are to inherit salvation for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. We see the angel sent to Cornelius for his sake because he would be one to inherit salvation something that was given. You know, inheritance is something that you didn't earn or anything. No, it's something that is passed down. And we see this angel serving God. And in that serving this man, bringing forth this message, sometimes to protect someone, sometimes to whatever it may be. I believe that the Lord does send his angels. I believe there's angels encamped around us, as the Bible says, you know, but we see here an angel being sent in the New Testament to talk to this man, Cornelius, for his sake, to give him a message because he would be one that would have an opportunity to inherit salvation. The message was being made known. Okay. So you chew on that. You ponder that. I'll leave it there. Amen. <laughs> okay. But we see this man being served by an angel because God has sent him as a messenger. And letting him know you, you, what you've been doing and all that you've done is God has remembered that. And this is why I'm here today giving you this message. This is the angel talking to Cornelius. Okay, I'm not an angel, guys. So verse 5 through 8 says, And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner. We talked about it's not a tanner because he's always on the beach. You know, even though they did work in the ocean, but, you know made leather and stuff like that, tanned uh, dead animal skins, whose house is by the sea. 
When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now look how quick this man Cornelius, one who knows how to give orders, one who knows how to take orders. He does it right away. Because he had to be obedient in order to understand and receive the answer. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want to know God? Fear Him. And in that fear, be obedient to Him. And in that comes the knowledge of who He is. Because then we realize, man, God, you have all the power and authority, man. You are God of all. And it's in that that we see the power of God. This man was obedient to the message he just received and did it. He didn't just hear it say, oh, good word, angel. <laughs> good word, you know, whatever. No, he went and did it. He took that good word and became active in it. It was obedient. Okay. One portion of the script message. But God is also working in another area. Because there has to be one that will bring the message. And this is where Peter comes in. This is where we come in. This is our part. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, we're going to go to verse 16. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven, okay? So, you know, it, you know, I'm, I'm wondering that, you know, when Peter went, and it says that, uh, you know, he became hungry, food wasn't ready, and he went to pray. I mean, you know, maybe he was praying, Lord, can that food be done any quicker? They didn't have microwaves back then, guys, so, you know, and I know many times we probably do the same, Lord, let them be quick, you know, but at the same time, like for me, I, 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 I'm praying, Lord, let my food be done quick, but I don't want it to be hot, though. I don't want to be an eater right away, you know, but we see that Peter went to pray and now Peter sees this vision. But let's look at Romans chapter 10. Next book over Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How important it is to be sent and to bring forth the gospel, which is our responsibility this day, is to continue 
to bring forth the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, so others can hear about who the Lord is because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And that's why it's so important that the word of God is preached, not man's opinion or thought or motive. Or no, the word of God and dividing it rightly, making sure that the doctrine is sound, but also making sure it's God that is bringing forth this word. Because imagine this, arise, this man was being sent by the Lord. But see what God was doing, he was preparing the preacher for the one who would hear the message. He was preparing the preacher. He prepares the servant of God. Anytime he's going to bring forth the word, he did so with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what do you see? Tells Isaiah, tells Moses, all these different things. And doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a preacher, but just as a servant of God, God will always show you things, teach you things, if you're willing to listen. Forgiveness, dealing with unforgiveness, bitterness, hate, anger, showing mercy, grace, whatever is needed and whatever God is teaching me in you. But he's always teaching us so we know how to work with others. He was preparing Peter through this vision to let him know what he considered now common or unclean was no longer so because Jesus had made it right. And this is all fine because he's, you know, Peter is looking at this and these animals that are mentioned, they were recognized as being ritually unclean. And you can find all that in Leviticus chapter 11. And I want us to look here real quick. We're not going to read the whole chapter. You can go back and read it. But let's look at Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 through 47 here. We're going to see something here, why this was so important. Why God made this a law and, and one of his commandments. You know, it's like we're talking in Ezra about the, the intermarriage and stuff like that. You know, there was always a reason and a purpose. And God always gave it. He didn't have to, but he did. And we see this in these unclean foods here, why it was so important for the children of Israel to abide by this. And it's found in verse 44 of chapter 11 of Leviticus. It says, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, set apart, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Again, to be set apart. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground to make a distinction. Listen to this part. To make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the living creature that they may be eaten and the living creature that they may not be eaten. Now, God is using this as an outward example to be a distinction from all the other nations, to be a distinction from all the other people that people will know these people belong to the God of Israel. They serve the God of Israel. So God didn't just do this because he wanted to do this. No, the purpose was to show that his people were set apart to differentiate, to be different, basically, the Israelites from the Gentiles. So you would be able to know who was an Israelite or a Jewish person or a Gentile. And so these foods were recognized and seen as to show they are to be set apart, to distinguish who belongs to God of Israel and who doesn't. 
So this is why these things were put into effect, because God always wanted his people to be set apart, to be able to be distinct among other nations and other people. Okay, sound familiar? Let's keep going. Let's look at Daniel chapter one. Going to look at Daniel here. Chapter one. Look at this here. I'll let you get there. Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Daniel was taken to Babylon. And in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So Daniel's taken to Babylon. And in Babylon, they have all the unclean foods. They're having shellfish. They're having lobster. They're having crawfish. They're having all these different things. All the things that they're not supposed to eat. And many just gave him, well, you know, hey, while in Rome, you know. <laughs> but I heard one person say, well, in Rome. But yeah, while in Rome, but you also die like the Romans do. So be careful. Okay, guys. So, but right here, again, this is different though. We know we're in New Testament. But right here, Daniel is making a distinction saying, no, I'm not going to allow myself to fall into that. You know, just as, as, uh, as Jeremiah, you know, says, my lips have never touched anything unclean. I mean, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. And he wants them to use animal dung. He says, no, or he wants them to use something else. And he says, no, I've never done, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. And so these men make it a resolve in their heart. No, I'm not going to do this. And Daniel does the same. He says, I, he made a decision before he got there. I'm going to do the same. How many of us today are still challenged with that? I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this, but I'm resolving in my heart that I'm not going to participate. Not because I'm going to, you know, but I'm there to be a light. I'm there to be distinct from everyone else. Not there to judge. I'm not there. No, but I'm a distinct, distinct. I'm set apart. But we have to resolve that in our hearts. As Daniel does. And look at what happens in verse 12 through 16. It says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So we see Daniel and the three other Hebrew boys, you know, and they get and they go with this and they say, test us in this. And they end up showing, well, man, these guys look better and are more healthy than the guys that, that didn't do this. And all they were doing this, it was because they did not want to defile themselves. They wanted to remain true to be as, Lord, we are your children. We're the children of Israel. And God takes care of them in that. Okay, so that's why it was so important. So when Peter seen this, he's like, nah, man, I, I mean, God, what are you what are you doing here? You know, and, and so this is why Peter is so like appalled at this. You know, he's like kind of questioning here. And because it was very important to the Jewish people, because this is what set them apart. 
And how many of us know today that we still have that same responsibility? God calls us to do the same in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. He says, be holy as I am holy, to be set apart. We are to be distinct within his people. So, But it's now, it's not based upon the foods we eat or anything like that, which we're going to see now broken down. But it's in our lives and who in our relationship with Christ Jesus. Okay? So... God is now changing, the, not changing it, but he, he is changing it because he's showing them, no, there's a different way. I still want you to be set apart, but I want you to be set apart in me. And he talks about this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 14 to 23. I believe this is the right one here. Let me see. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Okay, this might not be the one, guys. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I might have got the wrong scripture. That's okay. Well, if you guys come up with it, but it's it's where Jesus basically makes everything now clean. It's no longer considered unclean. And he tells them, and he's using this parable to basically bring this out, determine it's not, it's, it's not based upon what goes into a man's mouth, but what comes out of it. And this is where Jesus, and it says in the scripture now, this is where Jesus was now making all foods ceremonially clean. You know, he's basically just opening the door for everything, letting them know it's not a matter of the foods you eat now, none of that. No, it is now me. Jesus is referring to himself. It is, you know, it's, it's not what goes in, but it's what comes out. And it has to do with the relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have that, you find that, feel free to put it here up on the chat board. And uh, let me know on that. But Peter is seeing this and he's having a real, I mean, to the point where he says, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He's telling the Lord, no, I mean, like, I'm not going to do this, man. I can't do this. I've never done this before, you know. And he has, you know, in, in, in reality, he has a right in that because it's like, well, God, you told us to do this. Now it's like, no, but he's showing them, no, this is different now. Because what makes you distinct, what makes you set apart is me. Jesus is referring to himself. It's the relationship, it's the salvation now we have in Jesus. And this is why it's so important that we have that relationship. And he's opening this place because he's preparing the preacher for the message that will go forth to Cornelius. Showing Peter there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles because of food. He's letting them know everyone needs Jesus. He tore the veil. He makes what is unclean now clean. How many of us know we are so grateful today that God has made everything. What was unclean, he has made clean because it's clean in him. So we sanctify our food, man. We thank the Lord for it. It doesn't matter what it is, what's said before us, we can eat it, you know, and there's a portion of scripture that talks about those things, you know, given to idols and different things. But, you know, there's a certain way of doing it. But it goes beyond the foods that we eat. It's not about that anymore. What makes us distinctive, what sets us apart is our relationship in Christ Jesus. And now he's showing him this is all gone. 
It was done at the cross when the veil was torn. It's all that is done now. It's all now found in Christ. And he's showing him this. And that's an awesome thing. But not only that, it says, and the voice came to him again a second time. Amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 to 23. Let's look at that real quick. Thank you for that, Brother David. Let me see that. Okay. Yep, you're right. Mark chapter 7. I wrote Matthew, you know, but it's Mark chapter 7, verse 14 to 23. That's where that scripture is at. And it says here, um, well, let's read it. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person, out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. That is it. Thank you, Brother David, for that. That's the portion right there that we're talking about. Okay. And he's telling them these things, and now he's showing them. This is word is coming to pass. He's letting them know that's that's done with now. But not only that, look in verse 15 again of Acts chapter 10. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I want you to think about this, okay? We're getting close in time right here. So the voice came a second time. And he had to show Peter three times. Peter denied Jesus three times. But yet Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? There's a reason for that. You can write these down if you're taking notes. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6. Oh, amen. There's also Matthew chapter 15, 11 that also references that scripture. Thank you for that, Nancy. So if you're taking notes on the other portion, Matthew chapter 15, 11 goes with Mark chapter 7. Amen. And this other one here is Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 17, verse 6. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible declares that there must be at least two or three witnesses to make something so. This is done twice, he says it, and three times he shows it to him. The testimony. And so he's establishing this as, no, this is what it is. This is what it must be in this portion. Okay? So that's just a little 
footnote there for us. Amen. And now let's, we're going to finish it off here in verse 17 to 23. It says, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, keep heart. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to them and said, I am the one who you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Okay. So we see another three men, you know, part of that witness there, showing that this is the Lord. But I want us to realize something here for the difference between Cornelius and Peter. Remember, this is just the first part. We we touched on a couple of things for next week already. But let's look at the difference here. Cornelius was spoken to by an angel, a messenger, for those for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Peter is spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and you. It wasn't an angel that spoke to Peter. It was the Holy Spirit. But regardless, they both had a message from the Lord. They both had to be obedient. And we have to look and realize that the Lord set it all up. And both were obedient to the Lord. The difference is it was the same word and message, but for two different people and two different purposes. But yet they were both God. And many times God will set things up in such a way, and maybe that person won't hear from an angel or they won't realize it, but an angel, a Lord could have been leading that person to you. Cross our path. And the Holy Spirit, when we're attentive, will lead me and you to places or times to talk to people. And again, Two different people, two different purpose, but the same message and the same purpose because it's God's. Because Cornelius still needed to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We still have a responsibility, church. There are many today who may fear God, but don't truly know him. And this is where our responsibility comes in to be attentive to the Holy Spirit and to allow the Lord to lead me and you. But in a place of obedience and a place of setting our prejudices and our things or what we think about people or whatever it may be, we have to be willing, as Peter had to be willing, to lay all that aside. None of that matters. Because we are all 
one in Christ. We all need Jesus. And many times the Lord will put us in a place where we will be challenged with different people within our lives that maybe we're not, you know, I love like what Pastor Abel would say, you know, how he would have to work with like cholos and he had a hard time with cholos because he grew up in a neighborhood where he got picked on and stuff and saw things and went through things, but yet God would use him to speak to many cholos. And many times God will have you work and deal and talk to different people that maybe you don't fully really like, or, you know, maybe you're not comfortable around or whatever it may be. But God is showing me and you, it goes beyond more than what you're comfortable with. It goes beyond more than your culture or your race or your background or rich or poor or, you know, white, black, you know, Native American, um, you know, Asian, whatever it may be. It goes beyond that. Because what makes you distinct is Jesus. And all those other things need to be set aside because everyone needs to have the opportunity to know the Lord. And sometimes you may be put in a place where, you know, you may have to become who they, you know, in that place. Not that you participate or whatever, but you're in that place. Because you recognize, Lord, you have a purpose for me here. But yet I still need to be set apart. I have a reason and a purpose here. And I'm here to do what you call me to do. And you'll see many scriptures that says, you know, I became so and so. I became weak. I became this for the sake of the elect. And many times the Lord will require that. And I've heard others share. They go around the world. And in some parts of the world, you know, they'll set up thing of beer in front of them. But that's what is required that's like man that's a blessing you know we heard a testimony of a man that said you know you know the man was there and they brought him a beer because that's they were they were so blessed and thankful that this is what they had this is how they showed their gratitude and they're like well what do i do and one of the guys said drink it you know this is you know this is their way you know and and you know i'm not saying to go out and drink or anything like that but again it's knowing who your god is Knowing who your Lord is and recognizing the fact that I, you know, that the choices and things that I do doesn't that doesn't make me a Christian. It just it's my relationship with Christ Jesus. And I have to be willing to understand and recognize that there will be times that I have to lay those things aside. Not that I partake or become a no, but again, it's putting those things aside what other people may do or say or whatever, but recognizing, Lord, this person needs you, Lord Jesus. And recognizing how important we are to the body of Christ for the sake of those around us. Because you'll see there, by Peter allowing them to stay in his home that night because they lodged there. Peter was not just believing the Lord, but he was showing that he believed the Lord. Because by him doing that, many would have looked at him like, dude, what are you doing? And we'll see that later in scripture. What are you doing? But because Peter believed the Lord, he was willing to let that to go. And man, these are some barriers being broken because by them spending the night was a huge deal by allowing these Gentiles into their place and to be able to be a part. Because no longer was it about 
well, we can only do this, we can only do that, I can only stay with this, is that no. It was now being and recognizing who you are in Christ, being set apart and being able to live in this world, but recognize I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And we are still challenged with that today. You're in the world, we are in this world, but we are not of the world. We are set apart. And we can have peace in that. But because the Lord wants to use you in this world, to those around you, in school, in your job, in your home, in your family. And it's all in his time, if we're willing to allow him to. Amen? Feared God. <laughs> Peter showed that he feared God. But the true living God. Because he was obedient to the word of God. That's how we show we're fear. We fear God. It's that reverential fear. The terror and awe, Yes but also that reverential fear that say, Lord, you're Lord of all. Amen. We still have work to do, church. Let us continue to do so, recognizing that we there's a plan and a purpose for our lives here. We were placed here, like he told, you know, as Esther, for such a time as this. So don't be fooled. By thinking, oh, they're okay. No. But that mean, doesn't mean that God's not preparing them. And we continue to pray and intercede for those in those places today. That they would come to know the true living God. You know, it was blessed to, you know, at the conference this past Saturday, a gentleman that who was a Muslim but came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many others that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Jewish people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessing. And so that person you may know or persons you may know, keep praying for them. Keeping that example. Don't fool yourself into thinking you guys are always talking about the same God. Keep praying and being that light. Amen? Because we fear the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Well, this concludes our Bible study for tonight. We will continue next Wednesday. Encourage you to read the whole chapter. Keep going through the whole chapter. We're going to see, man, the difference between, well, Cornelius definitely sees it, and we will see it through the scripture next week. But encourage you to start reading it now, start studying it. Um, thank you guys for, for being available to scriptures here tonight as well and for joining, you know, joining Bible study tonight. Um, just grateful to the Lord for everything. If you have a prayer request or just a praise report, feel free to put it here on the chat board here. Um, you know, or, or um, you know, we're just uh, grateful to the Lord for for all that He has done and just continuing to teach us and reminding us that you know what, still a lot to be done, Lord, and and uh, we have a huge responsibility to to be those that you know that are still serving you, Lord God, and you know we have we have a giant responsibility, you know, to to be the church of Christ, you know, the, the, the body of Christ, you know, and, uh, you know, through all of this, it's not a matter of who we are in this world. No, it's what type of church are we? Are we the church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that Christ built? Or who are we today? We can't allow the things of this world to dictate who we are, to, to make us distinct or whatever. No, that's not what makes us a Christian. That's not what makes us the body of Christ. In reality, it comes down to 
who are we going to be in these last days as the body of Christ, as the, the believers, as disciples of Christ? That's our responsibility today. And to continue to bring, bring in the gospel forth. So I'll give a little time right here on the chat board. You just want to throw a shout out, hello. You know, I see that Myra said good evening during the service. Good to see you, Myra. Rosalind, Sister Rosalind's on there. Um, you know, and then Brother David there and Nancy and all of you guys here that maybe are not in the chat but are watching with us. We just, you know, thank you guys for joining us tonight. I haven't seen anything yet. Um, nothing, no text messages yet. So we'll be preparing to close up tonight in prayer. But again, I just want to thank you guys. Just keep reading your word. Keep reading your word. You may not know what to read. Hey, the Bible studies, join us for the Bible studies. They're on They're on the, the YouTube channel. You can always go back and uh, read the scripture, then watch the Bible study. Um, you can always go back and read the scripture for prayer and Ezra, and then watch the teaching, you know, join us in that prayer. You know, you can always go back, always something there to read and, and uh, you know, that to come along with. Uh, praise report. My niece is home and recovering slowly from COVID all by the grace of God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Awesome testimony. Our God is the healer. Amen. Amen. And we know that he is greater than any virus. Amen. The name of Jesus is greater. Um, me and Carlos were almost in a bad accident today, getting on the freeway. Thank God he was there with us. Praise God. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for watching over Julie and Carlos there. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. Yes. I mean, those are those are trying times. And I know, you know, my wife's had a couple of close calls and we've all been there. And you know what? Thank God for that. Because it just reminds you, man. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us, Lord God. And also watching over those drivers around us. So praise God for that, Julie. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You know, he is so good. Amen. So we have a great God, a God who protects and watches over us. And just who's doing great things. Amen. So just continue to believe the Lord in that. You know what? And those are things that we share with others. Those are things that we say, man, my God is so good. You know, that that testimony about Lupa's daughter, man, I've been able to share just with other people that are, are fearful that maybe may have cancer or do have cancer and different things and how God is the healer, you know, and, and uh, it's just an amazing thing. So let's continue to keep sharing those praise reports. Amen. And with these you know, many that are recovering from COVID that were into some hard places, man, they look like, wow, but came out of it. Praise God. Keep declaring those praises. And, you know, and, and for those that are still struggling and going through, I know Sister Rosalind, your brother, we're continuing to believe and pray for him as well and just believe in the Lord and, and many others that are going still going through it right now. But we know that our God is a healer um, and we can have the peace through it all. Amen. So we'll continue to believe the Lord in that. Amen. Well, thank you guys for sharing that tonight. And, and uh, you know, we're going to just close up in prayer tonight and just thank the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you this night, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, Lord, as there was a time, Lord God, that maybe we didn't believe in God or Lord, we did believe in God. We did believe in God, but we wasn't really you or there was a God that we just didn't know. But Father, we're grateful tonight, Lord God, that you, Father, made yourself known to us through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, we have a relationship with you, God, and many others today have that relationship with you today, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we're so grateful, my God, because Lord, we have your Word, we have your Holy Spirit, my God, we have your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have salvation and forgiveness in. And Lord, it's just such an amazing thing to know you, God. And when we say, God bless you, Lord God, we know the God that we're saying, my God. And maybe not everybody else may know that all the time, but Lord, we know the God to whom we serve, Lord God. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for that tonight, Lord God. And thank you for those that we do know, Lord God, that, Father, they, they walk in that reverence, they live in that reverence, but they don't quite know you yet, Lord God. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're working in their heart. You're leading them to you, Lord. You're drawing them by your spirit. And, Father, whether it's us or whether it's someone else or whether it's just an angel of the Lord, my God, that Father speaks to them, Lord God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Father, you are able to let them know who you are through your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Father God. And Father, we just thank you this night, Lord God, as we're able to come before your throne this day, as you are teaching us through obedience. You're teaching us, Father God, through it all, my God, just to continue to serve you, to praise you, to worship you, Lord, and teaching us, Father God, how to be obedient, but in the power of your Holy Spirit, my God. And just seeing you, Lord Jesus, and recognizing, my God, you are the answer to everything, my God, because in you, we have everything, Lord Jesus, and everything is possible for you, Lord God. So thank you this night, Father. Thank you for these glorious praise reports, my God. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness, my God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for displaying your glory in these lives, my God, and in our lives, my God. And Father, Lord Jesus, Father, with that, thank you, Father God, for the encouragement, Lord Jesus, and the life through that, my God, to continue to keep going and trusting you, Lord God, for our brothers and sisters that are still going through it, all of us that are still just so many things going on. But Father, thank you in the name of Jesus that you are able to reach the lost. You were able to reach those that don't know you yet, my God. Thank you in the name of Jesus for those that do know you but are just trusting you through it, my God. Thank you, Father God, that, Lord, we have the boldness and the confidence in who you are, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hear our prayers, my Lord, and we have the answer in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Help us to continue to live accordingly. Help us to live those holy lives in you and your righteousness, Lord, set apart for your work, my God. And we just thank you, Father, as Lord Jesus, we are trusting you and, and through that work that you are doing and so faithful to complete in our lives. We love you. We thank you, Father, and we thank you for this teaching tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, amen. We're believing, Sister Rosalind, that, you know what, our God is with your family member there in the hospital, and we know that he is faithful to bring him through. And you know what, in the name of Jesus, we're believing in that healing because we know that the Lord says the word, and he is faithful to perform it, but we believe it to be so. Amen. So, praise God for that. Thank you, guys, you know, for joining us tonight. Appreciate you. Love you guys. You guys have a blessed night. Stay warm. And uh, we'll see you soon. Again, prayer on Friday night will be here in the sanctuary. If not, we'll see you on Sunday. But we know that uh, we'll be praying together. Amen. So God bless you. You have a great night.